Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, opening day. That's not my normal opening to this show, but whatever, it's opening day. I don't care this morning. Good morning, everyone. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But we will not only be talking about uh, baseball. We got some Warriors, and we also got a little bit of 49ers news as Albert Breer uh, had something to say regarding a Jimmy Garoppolo trade, but... We get the tweet from Jeff Passan of ESPN, and this this is what happens with every insider in sports. It's actually kind of funny. Any single time, every single time we have like an event and something is happening, whether it's the draft or opening day, week one of the NFL season. Every insider sends out a variation of this tweet. And this is from Jeff Passan. And let me pull it up as I accidentally closed it. Oh, and happy opening day. Baseball is back. 15 games today. Life is good. Every insider feels, you know, besides all the sources that they have to tweet about, besides all these reports, they just tweet out a happy opening day. Or the NFL season is underway. So Jeff Passan gave us that, and that's the type of thing that'll get me pumped up. Uh, coming up today, uh, going to do some predictions. Going to do some predictions for every division and going into the playoffs and then uh, going into the World Series. Try to make it as quick as possible because I tend to veer off into some other dimension anytime I start doing the predictions because I start talking about a, th- a certain team and... It might go off the rails a little bit, but I'd love to hear from you. 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number. Plus, I got one big question for each the Giants and the A's going into this season. Starts off with Blue Jays-Yankees today, and that's how the MLB season uh, will get underway. Plus, you're going to hear from Alex Dickerson 
Giants outfielder. He was on with Damon Ratto and Kolsky yesterday. He had a terrific interview, and I wanted to play some of that uh, for you. But I did want to get to this sound clip and talk a little Warriors as we get into the season tonight now, or get back into the season tonight after they, after they had a couple of days off. Right now, it's they're 23 and 24. They're the ninth seed in the West. Two games above them are the Spurs at 24 and 21. Uh, they were in the fifth seed at one point, so they are not doing too hot. They're five and five uh, in their last ten, and right behind the Warriors are the Grizzlies at 22 and 23. But if you do the math there, they're not exactly a game out or a game above. They're right there with the Warriors right now. And then the Kings are a game and a half behind them in the 11th seed. So we got some crucial games coming up. And I wanted to get to this from Steve Kerr. He was on with DRK yesterday. And they confirmed what he'd said in a previous press conference talking about whether the Warriors uh, should run a little more pick and roll. Listen to Steve Kerr here. It's always um, the best option when the clock starts to run down or maybe you get an offensive rebound. You know, you run your set, you get an offensive rebound, the the shot clock resets to 10, and by the time you get anything organized, it's 10, you know, 10, 9 seconds and the clock winding down. uh, That's an automatic pick and roll. And and so, you know, most plays should really, uh, you know, if if they break down or if, if they get broken up, they should end up in a pick and roll or an ISO, depending on your personnel, uh, because there's just not enough time to, you know, to run through uh, an elaborate set. So pick and roll has always been uh, a big part of our offense. We we don't run it a ton, but it's always been very effective. And if you think about Steph over the years, you know, with Bogut or you know David West or Zaza, a lot of lot of late shot clock pick and rolls that that happen and uh, they've been really useful for us. And that's something that I think we've been calling for the uh, a majority of the season. But where I stand with this and where I stand with the reaction to all of this because as soon as Kerr mentioned that the Warriors are need to run more pick and roll, they need to run more pick and roll. And the Warrior fans are wondering, why hasn't that happened all season? Well, to me, it's kind of tough with the personnel uh, that you've been given. And you get James Wiseman, who is officially uh, 20 years old, so there's no more saying he's 19, he's 19, we can't be using uh, that anymore. Now we got to change it to 20. Still a very young guy, and we could still use that uh, as a reason that um, as a reason as to why we need to be patient with them, which I agree with. But the whole stance on pick and rolls for me is that, of course, they haven't run them as much as they want to. You know, it's a lot more complex and, 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 and tough for players than I think that we are giving it credit for. And a lot of fans are just like, nah, just run it. It's simple. Just run, just run Wiseman, get him to set a screen, and then get Curry to run on a short roll, and then either step back and hit a three or go in and dribble drive to the hoop. It's that simple. Well, not necessarily, especially when you got other guys on the floor who need to get the scoring going. And something pretty interesting that I saw regarding uh, Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman on the floor. Something I'm going to be watching out for tonight as the Warriors game starts at 5 o'clock, going up against the Miami Heat, who also played last night. 
not only are they going up against the Heat, who who played the Pacers, but I want to see what Wiseman and Wiggins are like on the floor at the same time. Because for the past couple of days, I did a little digging statistically regarding Andrew Wiggins and where his stats are at. And if you go to either of the starting lineups that he's been out there with, whether it's the iteration with Kevon Looney at center or James Wiseman at center, it's not necessarily to say that him and Wiseman shouldn't be on the floor at the same time because they absolutely should. And going into next year, it's vital that those two get a rapport going. But right now, uh, the numbers, whether it's you know rebounding, assists, turnovers, points per possession, all of that, I don't want to throw a bunch of numbers in your face, but when Wiggins and Wiseman are on the floor at the same time, um, they're not exactly that great. So I wonder if the pick and roll, if they start to run that a little more, whether the numbers for Wiggins and Wiseman uh, will go up and Wiseman starts to understand a little bit more um, on how to run the offense. And it's just development that we want to see uh, from both of them. And it's, again, I use that word, vital, critical, whatever word you want to use, that those two uh, get a good rapport going. And when they're on the floor at the same time, hopefully in the starting five going into next year, then that's what they're going to need to do is pick that up and try to understand this offense a little bit more. But 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you'll want to weigh in. Let's get to Draymond Green because Draymond Green was also asked about uh, the pick and roll here and whether they need to run it a little more because Draymond is the point forward and he's the guy uh, that's taking the ball up the court. So here's Draymond Green uh, when he was asked about if the Warriors want to run more pick and roll. I think so. But I think over the last few games, you've also seen Kelly's ability to uh, play in their high screen and roll as well. And so obviously we've seen over the last month Jordan's ability and, you know, we know what Steph can do in the high screen and roll. And so... I think that's a good weapon for us. Will we lean more on that? It's not really my decision, but you know, it's definitely a good weapon for us to continue to build on our offense. And that's also a way of continuing to use wise more because you tough cover rolling to the rim. So uh, that's been good for us. And going forward in this warrior schedule, as they go up to face a team like the Miami heat who are relatively solid defensively, as I go on to face the Raptors on a back-to-back. They're going straight from uh, Miami over to Tampa. And then, um, so they're in Florida for a little bit. And then they're going on to Atlanta to play the Hawks on Sunday. And if they implement this a little more, it's going to be tough to do because Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler in this game tonight, they're a hard defense to deal with. And they're not afraid to switch on to anybody. I mean, last night, a majority of the time, you had Jimmy Butler being posted up by Demonis Sabotis. And it's not like he completely locked them down. But there are a lot of times where Butler is still giving the big guy the fits and not letting him get comfortable. So I don't know if tonight's game is going to be the game that you're going to want to try to run more pick and roll if you don't have it down to a tee because of how well uh, the Miami Heat can play defense. The reason uh, that they have a crappy record by their standards at 24 and 24 
is because their offense just hasn't looked the same this year. And, you know, they've had a couple of injuries go down to them. But if you're going to plan on running the pick and roll a little more tonight, I don't know if you want to do that. Going up against the Raptors, I mean, they don't have Norman Powell anymore in that starting lineup. The defense uh, has gotten a little weaker on that team. But the Raptors are always a well-coached team. And then you got the Atlanta Hawks, who I think, if you're going to choose anyone on this three-game road trip, to dissect with the high screen and roll, why not do it uh, against the Atlanta Hawks on the Sunday? Because the Heat and the Raptors, uh, they're both pretty damn good teams defensively, and it doesn't get much easier after that because uh, the Warriors are on the, uh, at home to face the Bucks on the Tuesday. So uh, pretty tough schedule going forward, and I think in these next four games uh, against these teams in the East, if you can go 2-2, two and two, you got to be able to take that, but at the same time, it's tough even seeing the Warriors going two and two uh, against these other teams in the East. But real quick, before we get to it, before we get to baseball and opening day and what Alex Dickerson had to say regarding the three true outcomes, the Timberwolves, they won a close one against the Knicks last night. They're 12 and 36 on the year. They currently have the worst record in the NBA. The Rockets are right in front of them at 13 and 34. And then the Pistons are also at 13 and 34 while the Magic are at 16 and 31. We need the Timberwolves to get more wins, stack up more wins like this one. Now they're four and six of their last Ted They're but they're clearly a better team than the Rockets. And with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, who's, you know, going to, do enough to where he's going to get you a couple of more wins um, down the stretch if he has a big scoring night. But the Rockets, a really bad team. The Pistons are a very bad team. We'll see what happened with the Magic. But we've been mentioning it on this show a ton. The Timberwolves, in order for the Warriors to get that pick, that top three protected, in order for it to not be protected anymore... You need the Timberwolves to either have the worst record in basketball or the fourth worst record in basketball. Can't have them getting second or third because that's how the odds shake out when it comes to the lottery. Because if they get the worst record, then they get they have the highest percentage of getting the number one overall pick, but the percentage of them getting the second or third pick compared to outside of that is much smaller as opposed to if they had the second or third worst record. So we're looking for worst or fourth worst here. And by the way that the trade deadline worked out for the Magic, the way that the Rockets season has been going, and the way that the Pistons are handling everything, I think there's actually a pretty good chance that the Timberwolves could climb up to being the fourth worst team in the NBA. We're going to keep a track on that because it does have implications for the Warriors in the draft. So we'll keep track of Minnesota basketball, them getting a big win over the New York Knicks last night. All right, coming up next, 888-957-9570. Have a general baseball question for you as it is opening day. Wanted to get the Warriors uh, wanted to get the Warriors conversation out there because they do have a game tonight and the NBA season is still going on and you know it's a big time for them. But it is opening day and I want to know from you, do you feel like Baseball will find a balance with the three true outcomes. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Do you feel like 
they will ever reach a balance. I'll explain what I mean by that coming up next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Just feels like baseball, this song. You hear it, but you can feel it at the same time. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. And I asked going into the break for the, tree th- for the three true outcomes in baseball. I asked you going into the break, will, the, will MLB find a balance? Will these teams that are based on analytics and and all of that, will they find a balance after what happened last season? You had Blake Snell going for the Rays, absolutely dealing. Then Kevin Cash, Rays manager, decided to take him out. Now, the reason that he took him out is because that's how it has been been done all season. They'd kept Blake Snell in for five innings every single game. And then they'd bring in their relievers, and that would be how it worked out, and it managed to get them to a World Series. But then it came down to the last game. You have one left, and all of it hinders on this decision. And then you take them out and go with the analytics and what you've been doing all year, which is trying to get the win with the relievers, keep the defense or keep the offense on their toes because Blake Snell doesn't have a great history of guys hitting a third time through the lineup. But we saw what happened. Rays ended up losing. Dodgers hoisted up the World Series trophy. And chaos ensued after that because analytics are, quote-unquote, ruining baseball, as a lot of people believe. And I wonder... Will baseball find a balance with analytics, the three true outcomes, with with bringing players, with taking players out, going with your gut? You can, I, I feel like you can balance between the two. You know, there it doesn't just have to be, yeah, we're going to use analytics here in order to make our rotational decisions, in order to make our bullpen decisions. It could be used, but also... There's got to be another side to it where it's like, well, even though the numbers say that we're at a little bit more of a disadvantage if we keep this pitcher out too long, then, I don't know, I still want to go against it. You know, like I wonder if there's ever going to be a manager who has that feeling. And I don't know if Gabe Kapler's going to be that guy. Bob Melvin, I don't really know what his strategy is. He just has a a damn good lineup, and he's had a damn good bullpen as well. And uh, he's normally let his guys go uh, for as long as they need to, as far as I remember, as far as I recall. But I feel like Bob Melvin uh, has kind of done a nice job of blending in uh, the old school with the new school. And I wonder if baseball is going to get to that point, because that's why people are out on it. And Alex Dickerson, Giants outfielder, Possible DH, I guess the DH isn't going to be in, uh, be brought back as uh, Dave Fleming had heard rumors about it. But Alex Dickerson, 
Giants outfielder. He talked about the three true outcomes in baseball with Damon Ratto and Kolsky, Kolsky yesterday and said that he thinks that baseball's reached its tipping point with the three true outcomes. Yeah, I think the, the three true outcomes thing, it kind of hit in the head where you're now starting to see teams revert back to looking at guys that have good strikeout to walk ratios and try to keep, keep especially the strikeout number down where if there was a few years there where they were like, oh yeah, we don't care. You can strike out 250 times and outs and out. And then, then you started to realize, oh yeah, we don't teach that because the, uh, if, the, if the ball goes in play, uh, the guy can make an error, runner can move up. There's a lot more outcomes that can happen so you're starting to uh, and the Giants have been extremely good at that and I think that's where you get a Mike Yastrzemski you look at a guy that did nothing but put balls in play he was constantly driving it to the track you put him in major league stadiums all of a sudden those balls are going out and he's an MVP so like uh, I think their track record's really showing well on acquiring guys Tommy LaStella another great one at just getting in there and battling I mean that's that's what Brandon Belt's done his whole career why he's you know led two championship teams to the World Series, and uh, it's something that our lineup that we have right now does extremely well. We're always going to be in there fighting. And I wonder how much Buster Posey will have on an impact going forward uh, with that sort of thing, how much he can help the team. It seems like they have a pretty um, well-established culture within uh, their dugout now it doesn't seem like now no the talent on the team compared to everyone else in the league I'm not saying they're a 90 win team just based on their culture at all I actually have the Giants uh, winning 77 this year I don't have them winning a ton of games even last year in a 60 game season uh, you know 29 and 31 and it felt like they were winning all the time. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, they exceeded so many expectations that 29 and 31 uh, seemed like such a big deal. Like, we didn't even have them uh, going into the end of the season with possible uh, playoff hopes. Um, but this could be the last time. And when he mentions those names, when he mentions um, guys like Belt and Crawford, it is pretty insane that this is going to be the last. Uh, opening day that we see with those guys, with Crawford, with Belt, uh, with Posey. I mean, it's you know, it's the end of an era, and the contracts that they were given it's tough, tough staying patient with it. But now, toward the end of this year, you wonder if their careers will go on or whether this could be the last season, and they feel, look, we've got three world championships. Um, I've got no more I want to accomplish in this league. I'm good with just retiring, and, I, and I've made my money. Or if they want to continue uh, to win championships going forward with another team and possibly just be one of those veterans that can join a team with playoff hopes. Uh, another topic of conversation, and this is something else uh, that I wanted to bring up, and I want to get some thoughts on the three true outcomes in just a second uh, as to what Alex Dickerson had to say. But I want to know from you at 888-957-9570. I have heard today be called opening day, as it should, because it's opening day for every single baseball team. But the Giants are going to be in Seattle playing the Mariners. And the A's are playing at home, so this doesn't really apply to the A's here. But with the Giants, when they're back at home, 
Do you call that opening day? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's a text line and the phone number. Seems like none of you really want to weigh in on this three true outcomes situation. So I want to give you another question. I had a backup because the three true outcomes conversation it doesn't always get people. But since the Giants are playing the Mariners in Seattle, it's opening day because it's opening day, and every team is starting today. The season is opening today. But when the Giants are back at home, do you call that opening day? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the text line and the phone number uh, if you want to weigh in. But the three true outcomes to me, I do think that we are on the verge of getting past that. It's not like every single player runs by the three true outcomes. It's not like every single player has the strikeout the walk, and the home run in their mind. And you can go over to New York. You can look at Jeff McNeil. Or you can also go on the other side of New York, uh, going from Jeff McNeil to the Mets to DJ LeMahieu uh, to the Yankees. And, and I think that the three true outcomes have put – and I normally back them up because I, I – you know, I mean, everyone seems to be against the three true outcomes. I was kind of just playing the contrarian there. But I do think that baseball has made this interesting shift. Not a defensive shift. But they have gotten to this point now with this new generation of players as guys like Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. Uh, Miguel Cabrera whenever those guys... um retire that's really going to be the end of an era the end of an era that we knew and we are ushering in a new era and they've also ushered in this era of analytics and from the 559 baseball should only be played by our gut feeling all the new analytics suck and i think we only pay attention it pay attention to it though with analytics with what we see in the game and i get that I get that. If you feel like analytics have ruined it, then I totally understand where you're coming from. But the reason that these the analytics just goes much farther than just the three true outcomes, right? Than just, you know, using coaching decisions based on analytics. It's much more than that. And, you know, and a lot of people understand this. And I think that's a lot of it has to do um, just with not really looking too deep. But, in the analytics, a lot of it is development. And the reason you're seeing these pitchers throw 97, 98 miles, 98 miles an hour, it's not just because these pitchers have gotten bigger and stronger and that's actually been done. They're, they're taller and uh, they're stronger than ever. It's not just that, but it's also the analytics that are used in the minor leagues and in the development stage and that's something that I think is fascinating with the Giants uh, this year is a lot of these guys that they are uh, that they've hired. It's not just your pitching coach, hitting coach, and the manager. It's no longer just those three guys. There are a ton of other coaches that are involved with on the development side of things, and those are guys who are analytically driven. And I'm wondering where the balance is because I think that's a good part of the game. I think developing players who not didn't necessarily pass the eye test at first 
I think developing those guys, if they want to work with it and become major league players, more power to them. But also, when you take it in the game and you change up the entire visual of it, when you take out some of the excitement, I don't know if the bunt is ever going to be coming back. If you're calling for the sacrifice bunt to come back, I don't think that's going to be coming back. They they don't practice it. They just don't. But I do think that there needs to be a balance in finding how to work with it in the game. I think that's still some I think that's something that baseball is still trying to figure out. Will they will they actually figure that out in this year this year? Probably not. And who knows, man? Like let's let's also do this on opening day. I have no idea what's going to happen next year. Because the new CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, is is coming out next season. And we know the relationship that MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred and the Players Association have. Look no further than what happened during the 60-game pandemic season and everything that preempted that 60-game season to start it out. There was just so much going on regarding pay of players and everything. Who knows what's going to happen next year? Wouldn't even be surprised if there's some sort of strike or something. And that's pretty reckless to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get an entire season next year based on what happens with the CBA. But 888-957-9570, that's the text line and the phone number from the 925. Make about the talk of moving of moving the mound back one foot. Yeah, I've heard that. I've, I've heard that. And the reasoning for it is because, as I mentioned, that these pitchers are bigger and stronger and, you know, they, they use their their stride. I mean, guys like Araldis Chapman, for example, just watch his stride whenever he's throwing 104 miles an hour. It's crazy. Um, so they talked about moving the mound of foot back, and maybe that will create more balls in play and, you know, it would give pitchers less of a chance because pitchers seem just as unhittable as ever before. Um, but moving back the uh, moving the mound back, you could argue um, that it would just cause way more walks than you want because no one likes walks, and it feels like that can mess up uh, with a pitcher's accuracy. Now, you know, if you do move the mound back, that first season uh, would not be good, and the pitchers would get it eventually, but I don't know if we have patience uh, for that. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. that's the text line and the phone number. It is opening day. We're going to get to some predictions, and I also got one big question for the A's and the Giants going into this year, but 888-957-9570. Still getting your texts, by the way, for the Giants, since they are playing the Mariners, and today is opening day for all of baseball. Do you think that the Giants coming back home is called opening day when they play? Or do you call it the home opener? 888-957-9570. Steven Lankford on the pregame show. Predictions coming up next. 95.7 The Game. Somebody once told me the world is going to roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the show. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Steven Lankford. Of an L on her forehead. Well, okay, I'm not going to do this the entire time. There are a couple of layers as to why I'm playing this song. One, it's opening day. And for some reason, this is just, this is very personal. 
but you know how it is. I'm the only I'm the only one doing the show, and you driving in your car right now. Want to get you to lo- uh, to know a little bit about me, but when I think of opening day, <laughs> it's so weird. But I always think about going back to Little League in those days and the first game being back. And quite frankly, I don't have any uh, opening day memories of going to an actual game. You know, I, I never skipped school at the time. I would always, um, you know, I might go to a home opener or something um, at night if it was ever, which was very rare. But I don't really have any opening day memories. But when I look back on it, I always think just about that first game of getting back into baseball and knowing things are underway. And that song, All Star by Smash Mouth, would always be playing every single time. So not only that, that's the one layer. The second layer from the 209, forget Giants versus Mariners. How about Godzilla versus Kong? Thoughts on the movie? I'll get to that in a second. We do have some predictions coming up for the season. And 888 that's the text line and the phone number. Would love to hear from you regarding your predictions. Right now, the over-under for the Giants is 75 and a half. Do you think you're going over or under that? You could base your record on that. So, um, you know, 75 and a half is the line. Do you think the Giants are a 75 win team? Do you think they are, what, what, what is that? <laughs> do you think they're a 75 win team? I'm not even going to try and do the math right now uh, out of 162. But also, the A's, they are currently at 87 and a half. So go with the line there. What do you think? If you're a Giants or an A's fan, what is your prediction going into this season with the win-loss record? 888-957-9570. Again, the line with the A's is 87.5, while the Giants is at 75.5. But Godzilla versus Kong, and I also got an analytic that's just going to piss people off because we've been talking analytics for for the last 15 minutes. But Godzilla vs. Kong watched it. I'm not going to give any spoilers. The trailer, it, it, you know, it made it look great. And quite frankly, the fight scenes and everything that took place lived up to the billing. Took a little while to get there. But the other reason I'm playing that song, All Star, is because I'm telling you the opening scene in this movie, in Kong vs. Godzilla, it reminds me of Shrek's opening scene. When Shrek is, you know, in his swamp on his own, you can infer whatever you want from there. But I'm telling you, I, I think that uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I think that that opening scene in Godzilla versus Kong, it's very reminiscent of the opening scene in Shrek. <laughs> that's, that's what I got on the movie. I thought it was great. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but the opening scene, I was like, this reminds me of Shrek for some reason. Um, all right. There is. Before we get to the, the predictions and everything going into this season, we are getting some texts about analytics, the three true outcomes, and all of that. And uh, from the 925, three true outcomes is killing baseball. There's been a 12% reduction of balls in play since the 1970s, and analytics have killed all non-roster based offensive strategy. Analytics don't correctly evaluate situational hitting and the ability to manufacture runs. But you're correct. You are absolutely correct. And I think, though, that baseball's at this point where they're trying to find uh, that balance. And if you could put the name of the caller there for me, Curly, uh, I'd love to get that name. If you can't, you're not paying attention. Uh, But I do think that with the three true outcomes, um, there needs to be a balance there. 
And because analytics, there are look when you say it doesn't correctly evaluate situational hitting and the ability to manufacture runs. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. But analytics do correctly evaluate the strength of every player and what they can do on the field. Game situations and roster construction, you're absolutely right. But there are some things that analytics does correctly, and my question is, can they ever find that balance? You know, that's mainly why I was asking that. And last year in the World Series, look, analytics does a lot of good, but it also does a lot of bad and it all culminated to the last game of the world series like there's no there can't be a bigger a bigger game where you feel like a move had to be made in that situation or a move didn't have to be made in that situation and analytics basically made that move for them like if you're not going to find a balance after that then i don't know if they ever will uh, also from the 574, I think fans only complain about analytics when they see something go wrong because of analytics-based calls. For example, when Snell was pulled by Cash in the World Series, even though analytics is a part of what got them to the World Series in the first place. And that's what I'm saying. There can be some good and there can be some bad, and I wonder if there's ever going to be that balance. But I got another thing that is going to make you so mad if you're, an, if you're not an analytics person. I got a new stat for you. We're going past the batting average. We're going past the slugging percentage, past the on-base percentage. You can't just look in the box score. Stop shaking your head, Curly. You can't just look in the box score and assume how well a player is doing based on these three things. I got another one for you. It's from Buster Olney of ESPN. He created it, and I'm all about it. The crush quotient. I need to say that again because that's a tough word to say and a tough word to understand on radio. The crush quotient. Quotient. Now, the crush quotient? <laughs> the crush quotient? I'm trying to find it. It's the total bases that a player gets on, total bases, divided by the number of swings a hitter takes. Total number of bases beside, be, uh, divided by the total number of swings. And the way that that works is you can tell who's swinging at good pitches, who's swinging at the bad ones. Who's taking the bad ones? How good of an eye does a certain player have? And he used it, he created it because he wanted to get a statistic that would determine how well Juan Soto is actually doing from the Nationals. Because Juan Soto is doing stuff that um, is just what a generational talent level player would do. But total number of bases (laughs) divided by the total number of swings taken. That's the crush quotient. So every single time, anytime someone brings up a player, you name me a player, just say, you know, just list it off. Fernando Tatis Jr. You name me Fernando Tatis Jr., my number one question, what's his crush quotient, bro? Hey, you, 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 what, how's Mike Trout doing? I don't know. What's his crush quotient? That's my line going into this year. If there's... If there's ever going to be one, by the time we're well into the season, I think it's well worth asking, what's the qu- what's the crush quotient, bro? <laughs> God, it's so hard to say that. I'm going to be trying doing that for the year, though. Crush quotient. I am all about it. Shout out to you, Buster Olney. But triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I'm getting a lot of ratings on on the uh, on Kong versus Godzilla. I asked for your records, damn it. 
<laughs> I asked for your record predictions. I didn't ask. I I didn't ask for. I didn't ask for your Kong versus Godzilla ratings. Unbelievable. Uh, but I do want to get to the predictions here. And the A's versus the Giants, I see some very different seasons, but let's just go through it. I'm not going to give you the records uh, for every single team, but here are my predictions for this upcoming baseball season, and we're going to play one of the greatest baseball beds that ever existed. Yes. Loop it. Gotta wait. All right. Prediction time, baby. That's what it means with opening day. All right. In the AL East, we're going to start in the American League, then make our way to the National League. In the AL East, even though I really want the Blue Jays to do well, and I think they're going to be a hell of a fun team to watch, it's got to be their offense that makes them tick. But in the end, I think the Yankees are taking that top spot, then the Blue Jays in second, Rays in third, Red Sox in fourth, and the Orioles in fifth and it's a shame uh, for the Rays and the Red Sox because if they were really within any other division I think uh, I think that they'd be right up there within the top two but I think the Yankees and the Blue Jays they just got too much of a the, the Jays ceiling is so high this year I wonder if they're going to reach it but the Yankees look as much as I don't want them to <laughs> as much as I don't want them to win I do think they're going to take the top spot within the American League East alright on to the Central And first, I got the Twins. Then I got the White Sox. Then I got the Indians, the Royals, and the Tigers. It's the Twins and the White Sox and everyone else in the AL Central. And I think with the addition of Andrelton Simmons from the Angels and the way that the Twins operate, I think they can uh, can come in first in the Central. And we'll see what happens with the White Sox and, um, you know, their rotation not being really rounded out. But I overall have the Twins, the White Sox, then the Indians, the Royals, and the Tigers in third, fourth, and fifth in the Central. All right, moving on to the AL West. And first, I got the A's. Now, their projections don't speak to that. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people who um, who don't have the A's even winning the West. A lot of insiders, a lot of analysts, they all have the Astros going in first. And, and I want to know from you, again, 888-957-9570, what is your prediction uh, going into this year? But I think, I look, I got the A's first. I think they're just such a good team in the regular season. And when it comes to all 162 games, I feel like they're one of the few teams that could keep up with the actual pace that they had last year. And they were on pace to do pretty damn good. I don't necessarily see them being a 97-win team like they were the two previous years when they actually had a full season. But I do see them being a 90-win team, and I think that's going to be good enough to get them first in the AOS. Then I got the Astros, the Angels, the Mariners, and the Rangers. Sorry, Mike Trout. <laughs> that's all. I mean, I'm sorry, Mike Trout. I want the Angels to do well, but I don't see them getting anywhere above uh, third place in the AOS. All right, moving on to the National League. And I want to get to your predictions. Again, 888-957-9570. What are your records, your win-losses for the Giants uh, and the A's? But in the East for the National League, I got the Braves in first. Then I got the Mets. I got the Nationals, the Phillies, and then the Marlins. The Marlins were a fun story, and I actually think um, that they can go over their projection just based on their pitching alone. They're projected to only have 71.5 wins this year. I think I'd I'd be comfortable uh, hitting that over 
But look, in the end, the NL East pretty stacked, but the Braves and the Nets are, or the the Mets, excuse me, are the class of that division. While the Nationals, you know, they're kind of on the edge, I think, uh, in that in that division. But I do have the Braves winning the AL East with the Mets coming in second in the Central. I got the Cardinals, the Reds, the Brewers, the Cubs, and the Pirates. That was a pretty easy one for me. Um, the Cardinals, I think they got a good rotation. I think that with Nolan Arenado being added to their team, I'm glad that he's going to be on a team that will actually go to the playoffs. You know, it's kind of like the anti-Mike Trout in a way, in that he's been a star in the National League, but nobody has given him his just due. So I think he's going to get that with the Cardinals. Then the Reds and the Brewers and the Cubs are kind of going to be fighting for the second, third, and fourth spots. Um, And then the Pirates are going to be the Pirates. (laughs) And we go to the National League West. And I got to be realistic. I got to be realistic when it comes to the National League West. I got the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies. Now, the Dodgers, they could be in a 100-win team this year. Uh, We'll see what happens with them. And I think Trevor Bauer, uh, that addition, makes them that much better. But I think the Giants are going to be in third place right in front of the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. I got the Giants this year uh, winning 78 Games, 78 games. So I think they're going to be uh, 78 and 84 this year. And that's even better than what last year was going to turn out to be. A 29 and 31 season, if you, you know, equal that to an entire 162, um, I think that, look, a 78 win team, their offense has to be explosive. Kevin Gosman, in my opinion, is going to get traded at the deadline. You're not going to have. Uh, the guy who's starting for you on this opening day there. Um, So I have the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, a 78-win team. Then I got the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. In the AL playoffs, how it's going to work, I got the Blue Jays winning the wild card, so they'll go on uh, to face the Yankees, and I think it's going to be between the Blue Jays and the Astros uh, in this wild card game, but I think the Blue Jays are going to come out on top, and then they're going to be playing the Yankees, then it's going to be Twins versus A's. And I think with the Twins, they have had the worst track record in in the playoffs. I can't even remember what the number is, but just know this. They are over in their last double-digit games in the playoffs. They can't win a playoff game. I think this year they get over the hump, and I do think that they beat the A's uh, in a five-game series out of the division. So then in the end, I got the Twins and the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And I got the Twins going to the World Series, baby. Going out on a limb for a team that can't do anything in the playoffs. I think they shake that off and they have one of the most fun storylines of the playoffs this year. So I got the Twins representing the American League in the World Series. In the National League, I got the Padres in the wild card. And I think they'll be facing the Dodgers since the Dodgers, in my opinion, will have the best record in the National League and I think it's going to be uh, Padres versus Mets in that wild card game and the Padres going to be coming out on top so it'd be the Padres and the Dodgers then the Cardinals and the Braves in the division series I have the Braves beating the Cardinals but I also have the Padres beating the Dodgers in that five game series and it's going to be Padres versus Braves then I have the Padres versus the Twins in the World Series and who comes out on top there I think the San Diego Padres can win the World Series this year 
I really can. That lineup's only going to be stronger. That rotation, I think they got a pretty solid rotation. They got a lot of depth. Um, everyone forgets about Chris Paddock. Everyone paid attention last year uh, to Danielson Lamette, but Chris Paddock is a damn good pitcher. You Darvish, Blake Snell, and then uh, Mike Clevenger once he gets off the injured list. I think they got plenty of depth there to get them far in the playoffs. It's just a question of what their bullpen can do and whether their offense can carry them. But those are my predictions this year. I think the Yays are a 90-win team and can go 90-72 and 72 on the year, and that's going to be good enough to get them first place in the American League West, while the Giants I have being a 78-win team this year, 78-84. and 84, I think that would be fair. Uh, from the 9-2-5, I think the A's can easily get 100 wins this year. Their pitching staff got stronger, and the Matt corners are about to pop off. I disagree with the pitching staff got stronger. The pitching staff is more healthy. But you don't know how it's going to do this year. And it's not their starting staff that I'm looking at. It's their bullpen. Look, in the end, they lost Liam Hendricks. And that's not going to be the be-all, end-all. But that dude closed out a lot of games for you. I thought he was very, very good last year. And I agree. You do have the mats. And you know you do not have Marcus Simeon playing shortstop anymore. Um, but look, I think that they're going to be a good team in the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, and I think they're going to get first place, but when it comes to the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to have as much depth going forward. That's why my prediction is the way that it is. But look, the A's are a damn fun team to watch during the regular season. And, you know, we're not fans. If you're a baseball fan, you don't watch the entire year just waiting for the playoffs. You do love the marathon. And in that marathon, the A's are a damn fun team to watch. Uh, before we get out of here, let's get to Matt and San Rafael, who wanted to weigh in, wants to take the over on a certain team. What's going on, Matt? Hey, how are you, man? Good. Um, so I can't, op- I can't opine on the A's. I'm a Giants fan. Yeah. Um, I think that the over-under on the Giants is, as usual, pretty accurate. I do think they're going to go over it. I think that their pitching is going to be good enough. I, mm. I, and I think that's going to be their Achilles heel as well as their defense. Um, I thought your take, by the way, on analytics was interesting. I actually think a lot of teams rely on it because you can point at the analytics and not have to take the blame if something doesn't work. Right. It's interesting how it takes the human factor out. And then the last thing is, and I know you don't want to hear it, I have three sons. We watched Kong versus Godzilla last night. The first <laughs> hour and a half or hour is terrible. The acting is awful. The dialogue <laughs> is ridiculous. The plot is terrible. But the last hour, it has maybe the best CG I've ever seen, and the fighting is ridiculously good. <laughs> I do agree with that, Matt. I appreciate the phone call. Oh, that's great. Look, we got the Giants and the Mariners. The Giants are in Seattle. Kevin Gosman is going to be on the mound. I wish I could give you any intrigue for the Mariners. Kyle Lewis, the rookie of the year from last year, I don't know if he's going to be playing um, tonight. I still got to wait for that because I think he had a, 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 a bruise on his knee, if I'm not mistaken. That'd be the only interesting factor. Backing him up could be Taylor Trammell, who was one of the top prospects for the Padres and then made his way to the Mariners and made the opening day roster. So that's the only intrigue I can give you for Giants and Mariners. And of course, it's opening day. And then we got the A's at home against the Astros. Chris Bassett versus Zank Granke. If you're a baseball fan, you're going to enjoy watching uh, that pitching matchup, no doubt. But thanks so much for joining me, everyone. It is opening day, the morning roast with Kate Scott, Vontae Hill, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Coming up next, and from the 619, I got 98 and 65 Oakland, and I think they're going to win the World Series this year. (laughs) 
Bold prediction here. 95.7 The Game. The Morning Rose coming up next.